Genesis chapter 6 and verse, we'll begin at verse 10. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, or Japheth, however you'd like to pronounce that. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark 300 cubits, its breadth, 550 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of judgment waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh and which is the breath of life under heaven everything that is on the earth shall die but i will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark you your sons your wife and your sons wives with you and of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep alive with you they shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds And of every creeping thing of the ground, according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to be kept alive, to keep alive, to keep them alive. Sorry. Verse 21. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Verse 1. Of chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. The last time that we gathered on the Lord's day, we considered verse 9 of Genesis chapter 6, which reads Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. We learn that we must not detach, verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, from verse 8. But Noah found favor with God. Noah was righteous because of the grace of God. And not because of anything inherently good within Noah. Noah was not good in and of himself. Noah was not chosen by God because there was something comely or inherently good about Noah that caused God to give him grace. God simply gave Noah grace because God is sovereign and gives grace to whomever he wills. God's grace always comes before righteousness. Righteousness never comes before grace. Noah was righteous because of the grace of God, or Noah was given grace and then he was righteous. The word grace itself means unmerited, unearned, Unworked for. 
Noah received the righteousness of Christ by faith. By faith through grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, the skull-crushing seed of the woman. We learned that Noah was blameless in his generation. And blamelessness was not a pronouncement of Noah's neighbors. Noah's neighbors are not the one who wrote the scriptures and said in the scriptures, and Noah was blameless in the generation. Rather, it was God. God is the one who pronounced upon Noah that Noah was blameless. God declared Noah blameless. Noah was not sinless, though. For none but Christ has been sinless. But no one could find fault with Noah. I would also like to mention that that being blameless is a result of placing your faith in Christ. You are blameless. You who have placed your faith in Christ, you are blameless. Amen. You are no longer subject to the punishment of the law. You are blameless in the sight of God. You are innocent in the sight of God. When you stand before God, you will be declared innocent, blameless. Brothers and sisters, think about your life. Even presently. As imperfect as it is, God, in God's sight, you are blameless. Can you fathom the thought? In the sight of God, you are innocent. But this morning, in God's sight, you are innocent. But last night, I, in God's sight, you are innocent. Noah was blameless in his generation. And I ask you and God to forgive me for not making that even more clear last last week. You are innocent. You who have placed your faith in Christ are innocent. And Noah not only was blameless in God's sight, but Noah lived according to the law of God. Living according to the law of God in light of the law of God is evidence that you are a partaker of the grace of God. No one who ever partook of the grace of God, truly, ever can ever considered saying, let us continue to sin, therefore the grace of God, so that the grace of God may increase. No, we who have been partakers of the grace of God do not take the grace of God as being cheap, but costly. Therefore, when we have received God's grace, we live in light of the commands of God. Who calls us to live as as the children of God. So our obedience to the commands of God. Are evidence that we are the people of God. That we have received the grace of God. Noah lived uncorrupted. Among the corrupted. Noah lived unsullied. Among the defiled. How was that possible? We concluded with the final statement of verse 9. In chapter 6, Noah walked with God. Albeit alone, as we said. Noah walked with God. And I failed to mention this on the Lord's Day. It seems that after I'm done preaching, there are always more things that I wish I would have said clearer and better. But we must understand that when we think we are walking alone, and we often feel that way, we are not alone. And and not only because we, we are walking with God. We should know. That should be a, a, a foregone conclusion that we walk with God. That God is with us. But brothers and sisters, God has given you a church 
that also is with you. God has given you a church that is also walking with you. That although they may not be walking in your shoes per se, they are still nevertheless walking with you. There may be some on the side of you or behind you and maybe even some in front of you, but they are still with you. Do not neglect the fact that there are brothers and sisters that have been adopted as your brother and sister in Christ that are here to walk with you. You are not alone. You are not alone. We are here to help you. We are here to encourage you. We are here to help you bear your burdens and to also accompany you on this journey. We are with you. We are all together with God. Noah walked with God. What is the remedy of fighting against the world, the flesh and the devil? Walk with God. Brothers and sisters, that's the remedy against worldliness. A true intimate relationship with God. Communing with God on a daily basis. This is the remedy against worldliness. This is the remedy against the flesh. This is the remedy against the devil. A personal, ongoing, vital relationship with God. And if you are in a relationship with God, you are also in a relationship with his church. You can never say, I love God, but hate your church. You can never say to the groom, I I love you, but I hate your bride. No, God has given you the bride. We are the bride so that we may be encouraged to continue pursuing and walking with our groom. And as Noah walked with God, he preached righteousness by faith alone in Christ alone. Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. Noah's name means rest. But he ultimately was not the rest giver that the world was waiting for. Rather, Noah was a type of Christ, type, a symbol. Noah was a symbol that pointed to the substance, to the fulfillment, which is Christ. But Noah was used by God to rescue the human race from extinction. Why? Because judgment was coming. This morning, we shall consider the remaining verses of the sixth chapter of Genesis And I do have for you this morning just three points of consideration. Number one, the just judgment of God is coming. Number one, the just judgment of God is coming. Verse nine, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And so God saw the earth. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Brothers and sisters, judgment was coming. Judgment was coming because of man's corruption, and and it is mentioned three times. Now the earth was corrupt, verse 11. Verse 12, now, and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. We've learned that when God's word declares a thing three times, it is being declared three times for for emphasis or for a greatness of a thing. God is holy, holy, holy. Scripture is emphasizing emphasizing the the vast greatness of God's holiness. 
God rested when his work was complete. God rested from his completed work. God completed his work and he rested. God Shabbat. He Sabbath. It is to highlight the wondrous work of God's perfect finished creation. And that God has entered his rest because work is complete. And now. The earth is corrupt. Behold, it is corrupt. For all flesh have corrupted their way. You see the emphasis there. That man has corrupted their way. That man is ruined by sin. It's, it's to highlight the, the shocking nature of the corruption of man. The earth was filled with violence and corruption. Violence speaking of lawlessness. Lawlessness is to be without law. The earth was filled with people who had in their hearts evil and conducted themselves in evil ways, corrupted ways, in ways in which they abided by no law. Although the law was written on their hearts, they suppressed that law and lived any way that man deemed fit. And brothers and sisters, when man does what is right in his own eyes, the world becomes corrupt. When man abandons the law of God, when man seeks to live by his own law, the world becomes corrupt. There was not one secret valley, not one hiding place that was free from this corruption. Imagine this world today. Imagine a world in which man lived according to his own law and we are getting further and further to that place. All flesh have corrupted their way. There was not one solitary place on the earth wherein sin and lawlessness did not dwell. Imagine living in such a world. Imagine the fact that we are living in such a world. The scripture describes in anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic meaning uh, ways in which God, uh, anthrop- actually this is anthropopathic, God uses emotion. But this also right now is anthropomorphic in that God sees. Anthropomorphic meaning God, God's word is using language, ascribing to God human features, human body parts like eyes. God sees, as it were, that God surveys or sees, scours his creation. And upon scouring or surveying the land, what do the holy eyes of God see? Well, I will tell you what the holy eyes of God do not see. Our holy God does not survey his creation and see a race of victims. Our holy God does not look down upon his creation, as it were, and see people who are innocent victims of depravity. He is not looking down upon creation and seeing people who are are helpless and hopeless who are victims who, who sin has come upon. No, they are, the, they are the perpetrators of this sin. Lest we think for one moment that we are in a house that has been set on fire by an intruder who has crept in unsuspectedly. No, brothers and sisters. We are the intruders. It is we who have set a blaze to our own homes. We are not victims. We are not 
uh, we have not been perpetrated against. We are the perpetrators of this crime. God created us upright. God commanded us to worship him, to obey him, to be satisfied in him. And yet when we were presented with the deception of being our own gods, we quickly forsook the command of God and sought to exalt ourselves above the throne of God. This was our choice. We are the rebels. This is our rebellion. We have corrupted the earth. No, there was not one person who was innocent. There was not one person who does not deserve judgment from God. What about the person who is in the jungle somewhere, who has never heard the gospel? Are they born in Adam? Yes, they are. What is their guilt? What is their sin? Their sin is in Adam. Their guilt is in Adam. Every single person born of man is guilty of the sin of Adam. When Adam failed, we all failed. There was not one innocent person. God did not blame the condition of man on Lamech. God did not blame the condition of man on Cain. The corruption of man was because of man. Man is not a victim. This is no conspiracy, brothers and sisters. Don't look for the Illuminati and place, it on, place the blame on them. Don't look for the, the Freemasons and place the blame on them. This is man's fault. We are not victims of our neighborhoods. We are not victims of our family upbringings. We are not victims of the government or the educational system. They are all corrupt. Because we are corrupt. We are the makers of those things. And they are corrupt because of us. The holy eyes of God see that man is corrupt. That his heart intends only to do evil continually. That the earth is filled with violence. God called men to be fruitful and to multiply. To fill the earth. And instead man has filled the earth with violence and corruption. Violence is the product of man's corruption. We have done this. We have done this. And brothers and sisters, we must never be unmoved by the great height from which man has fallen. You hear that? We must never be stoic when we consider the nature of man's rebellion as a result of his desire to exalt his throne above the throne of God. We should never be unmoved when we hear about man's depravity. Why? Why should we, why should we never sit there unmoved? Why should we never sit there when we hear about the corruption of all flesh and be stone faced? Why? Because corruption of man was not destroyed in the flood. Do you hear that? The corruption of man was not destroyed. It was not done away with in the flood. No. The corruption of man endures to this day. So when we hear about what was true in Noah's generation, we must also grieve. We must also weep. We must also be moved to our hearts because that corruption endures to this day. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. For what can be known 
about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their hearts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for, ex- for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who was forever blessed. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up. To dishonorable passions. God gave them up. Who is them? Who are they? They are the corrupt who exist. And who endures still today. This is God's word that remains true today. This is the word of God that stands for all peoples at all times. This is God's word that is normative. You hearing what I'm saying? It is normative. For people at all times. This is not God's word. That is speaking about a people. 2000 years ago. This is not God's word concerning the people of Noah's day. That is referring to a people. 6000 years ago or or 5000 years ago. This is God's word for all peoples. At all times. Man has corrupted their way. We should not wait for a new book to be written. What would God say to us today? This is what God says. Man has corrupted their way. This is for all people, all generations. God's word is never outdated. God's word is never irrelevant. God's word stands the test of time. The Bible says in in Matthew 24, uh, 35, heaven and earth. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. Therefore, we must grieve, grieve at the reality that man has corrupted his way. Because we live today in a world that is filled with corruption and violence. And just as the judgment of God stood at the door of people of the people of Noah's day, the judgment of God stands at the door of the people of this day. Judgment is coming to the people of those days or was coming to the people of those days. And judgment is coming to the people of this day. The state that we live in. As much as I love this state, is one of the leaders in voicing and pushing for the corruption of man. What I speak today, what I say today, is right now trying to be passed as hate speech. We will one day, and don't think this is not possible in this country. We will one day not be able to meet as we meet. We will be meeting in secret. We will be meeting in hiding places. Don't think that what is done in other countries will not one day reach our lands. It will. It will. Why? Because the earth is filled with corruption. This is not a saved country. It is a country filled with saved people. And I say filled loosely. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, for as were the days of Noah, listen to this, so will be the coming of the son of man or as it was in the days of Noah. 
so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. What? What's he talking about? The Lord Jesus is saying he is returning. He will come. And he will come in judgment. And when he comes, the inhabitants of the earth will be conducting themselves just as the inhabitants of the earth during Noah's time conducted themselves prior to the judgment of God, prior to the flood. How did they live, Jesus? For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware Until the flood came and swept them all away. In the days of Noah, the people of that day, though wicked, though corrupt, though the earth was filled with violence, they lived. They lived just like the world today is living. They ate, they drank, they married and were given in marriage. What is Jesus saying? They lived their lives. They did what they wanted to do. They conducted themselves as if judgment was not coming. And unaware meaning unbelieving. Not unsuspecting. Unbelieving. For Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. Not unaware. Unbelieving. Calloused. Unmoved. By the message of Noah. They were unmoved. By the message of Noah. And and think about this. By the structure of the ark. Not only moved by what they could hear. But not only unmoved by what they heard. But unmoved by what they saw. Unmoved until the day that God said to Noah. Time to get into the ark. Time is up. Will you make the same grave mistake of ignoring God's word just as those in Noah's day ignored God's word? Will we live just as those in Noah's day lived, carrying on in our sin as if our sin would go unnoticed and unpunished? God's judgment is upon you. Noah said, turn from your sin, Noah said, trust in Christ, Noah said, and with deaf ears, hard hearts, they carried on eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. All the while, God's judgment was at their doorstep. The justice of God would be executed upon the wicked. Will you make the same grave mistake of ignoring his his heed, his call to repent and to turn to him? Or maybe you're saying, I have come to Christ. I have trusted in the righteousness of Christ. Praise be to God. Then let us live as the people of God. I have trusted in Christ. Praise be to God. Then walk in the commandments of God, lest we be counted among the wicked. Obey his command. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. Don't just say that you love me. There is evidence of your love. It's obedience. And don't ever mistake obedience for legalism. 
you are called to walk in obedience. Let us therefore not continue to hate one another. We who say I have trusted in Christ. Let us not hate one another. All the while judgment is at our doorstep. Let us continue. uh, Let us not continue to, as Paul said, devour one another. With gossip and slander. All the while God's judgment is at our doorstep. Surely the people of God do not behave in such a manner. Let us be known for our love for one another. Because judgment is at our doorstep. Let us be known for our care for one another. Yes, because judgment is at our doorstep. Let us be known for our gentle bearing with one another. For it is appointed for all men to die. And then comes the judgment. Let us be like Noah in his day. Let us be a people who by grace have been given grace to declare righteousness of Christ by faith. Let us be people who strive to be blameless and let it be said on our epitaph. Here lies Martina, Anthony. They walked with God. What do you want to be said? Should the Lord tarry? Should the Lord tarry? Should the Lord continue to be patient and gracious toward those who are right now living and to come? Will it be said about you? He, she walked with God. God announced himself as the coming judge of all the earth. And he is still pronounced as such today. He is still proclaimed as such today. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. And his judgment will be final. And if you are outside of Christ, if you are out of the ark, that is a dreadful thing to fear. What will be God's judgment of you and me? Were there any who escaped the judgment of God in Noah's day? No. And so will it be in the final judgment. No one will escape. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God apart from Christ. Number two. The patience of God. The patience of God. Verse 13. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Therefore, I will destroy the earth because of them as God goes on. Man corrupted his way. Therefore, God is determined to give man over to his corruption. Just as we read in Romans chapter one, where when man suppresses the truth, where, where God, where man suppresses truth, God gives man over to his folly. When man suppresses truth and seeks after corruption, God gives them over to corruption. So too, man has ruined the earth. So God will give man over to his ruin. Man has ruined the earth, so God gives man over to be ruined, as it were. The language is is that that God is determined to ruin what has been ruined. It is as though one comes home after it has been ruined by a storm. And rather than attempting to salvage the home, he tears down the home. God has said the home is ruined, therefore I will destroy the home. We have ruined the earth. So God in his justice determines to ruin the earth with the flood. 
But I would like you to consider and to take a careful note at verse 13. And God said to Noah, see that first part? And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Pause. Anything stand out to you in that verse? What stands out? God is going to destroy the earth. Yes. The earth is filled with violence. Yes. But what else stands out to you in that verse? The Lord God, in his mercy, in his kindness, he makes his judgment known. You see that? God said to Noah. Did God have to say to Noah? Did God need to say a thing to anyone? No. Does God need to warn you? No. But he has done so here, and he's doing so right now. God, in his mercy... God, in his patience, makes judgment known. God was not under no obligation to warn anyone, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 8. God not only rescued Noah's soul by giving him faith to believe in the skull-crushing seed of the woman, but God was also merciful to Noah in that he determined to, to rescue Noah from the coming wrath. And in warning Noah of the coming wrath, God used Noah to be a preacher of righteousness for how long? 120 years. Notice that God says the earth is going to be ruined. Was it ruined in the day that God declared that the earth is going to be ruined? No. Wow. Judgment did not come at the time that God made judgment known to Noah. Rather, Noah was 500 years when he was called by God, 500 years old. God pronounced that he would not allow sin to endure forever, that he would not suffer the wickedness of man. God would be patient with the wickedness of man. Behold, I will not strive with man forever, but his days shall be 120 years. How old was Noah when the flood came? Noah was 600 years old. When Noah received this warning from God, Noah went to that wicked generation, preached righteousness by faith in Christ. Can you imagine the the urgency, the sense of urgency upon Noah? I am going to, God says to him, I am going to destroy all the earth. And Noah in his urgency begins to say, God is coming. God is going to destroy the earth. While violence, wickedness, abuse, adultery, and every kind of vice ran rampant on the earth, God calls Noah to warn that generation. And Noah calls them to repent of their sins and to turn to God. Noah didn't refuse the call. He obediently gave God's word to a people who trampled on God's word, trampled on the warning of God for 120 years. Noah pleaded with that generation. Can you imagine? God spoke to you. Can you imagine the, the urgency, the pleading, the crying and tears that must have be that must have come out of this man for 120 years? The anger even. The frustration even. How many do you know that you have been calling to Christ maybe week after week, month after month, year after year, and they still have not turned? Some of them, some of them are your children. Some of them are your parents. Some of them are your siblings, your cousins, your friends, your co-workers. 
And you've given up after a few months, maybe. Have you stopped praying for them? Pause for a second and think about that one person that you have stopped praying for God to save. And make a commitment right now that you will pray for them today. That you will renew your urgent and fervent prayer for them. Make a commitment that you will once again begin to share the gospel with them. Because judgment is coming. God was patient with them for 120 years. And think about this. Day after day, month after month, year after year. Noah faithfully preached the righteousness of God. Contrast him with Jonah. Jonah was called to give a message of judgment and reluctantly obeyed. Went to the nation of Nineveh, not wanting to go, but obediently did. Running as far as he could from God until he was swallowed up by a whale or by a large fish. Noah reluctantly goes and preaches to Nineveh. Noah is hoping that judgment will fall upon Nineveh, destroy all of Nineveh. He doesn't want to see Nineveh saved. Jonah would have loved the message that God gave to Noah. He would have done, if you're old like me and have grown up like me, he would have done probably a Pentecostal Holy Ghost dance upon hearing the message that God gave to Noah. And a whole nation is saved. Much to Jonah's displeasure. Much to Jonah's displeasure. Noah would have loved to see the response that Jonah got. I'm sure it grieved the heart of, of Noah. But God is sovereign. He will save whom he will save. Noah preached diligently for 120 years. And not one person turned from their sin. And yet God was still patient for 120 years. And God is patient with you. Not with all mankind, because God is not going to save all mankind. Just as he did not save all of mankind in Noah's day. God is under no obligation to save all of mankind, but God is patient with you. Not willing that any of you should perish. Who are you? What does Peter say? The Lord in Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, any of you should perish, but that all, all who, all of you should come to repentance. Who is God being patient with? You. Who are you? Who is the you in Second Peter? Who is Peter speaking to? Second Peter 2 or Second Peter uh, 1, 1. To those, who is he talking to? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of your God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is addressing those who have trusted in Christ. Those whom God is being patient with. Those who are coming to Christ. In every generation since the ascension of Christ, we have declared we are living in the last days. That Christ will at any moment return. And that his judgment will be final for the wicked. That was true 2,000 years ago when Peter and Paul preached this. And it is true today. In 2018, as I preach it and others across this land preach it. We are living in the last days. God will come. 
God who lives outside of time and space is not slow by human standards, as some count slowness, but God is patient with you. Brothers and sisters, God is patient with all of those whom you, whom he has foreknown and foreloved before the foundation of the world. He is waiting, drawing you, being patient with you as he draws you, who are his, into his fold. God in his mercy has ordained a time wherein he will expose his people, their ears to the gospel, his people, their eyes to see the need for Christ, his people, soften their hearts so that they may repent and trust in Christ. He is patient with you, his elect. Imagine if Christ came last year. Some of you would not be here. But you would be suffering an eternal punishment under the judgment of God. But he was patient with you. Drawing you who are his to himself. Imagine if Christ would have come 20 years ago. I would not be here. And I would be suffering under an eternal punishment of God. But God is patient with you. His elect. He will return. But he will not return until all of his sheep have been brought into his fold. Therefore, let us be diligent as the church to be a good helpmate of Christ. To do what? Share the gospel. Let us be diligent in sharing the gospel to unbelievers because his people are out there. And the ordained means by which they are being brought to the gospel is through or brought to Christ is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they hear the gospel, they will come. His sheep will be given ears to hear. But his church must be diligent in sharing the gospel. Not with people who are just like you. Not with people who are brown like you and I. My son painted a picture of me the other day. I was the only one in our family who was painted brown. <laughs> to God be the glory. <clears throat> But for people who are, look other than you, who are from other backgrounds than you, let us be diligent in sharing, calling all men, women, children to repent and to place their faith in Christ alone for their salvation. And men, women, this is not isolated to you. Young ones who are sitting here, don't think that you are outside of God's call to call your friends to call your buddies to trust in faith in Christ Jesus. Don't think that this is meant for older people and that when I get older, I'll start doing what the older people do. This is for you. If you have ears to hear this morning, God is speaking to you. Be diligent in sharing the gospel with your friends. Don't be embarrassed. As Brother Ray said this morning, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Now you have heard and now you are accountable. This message is for you. Call, call them to trust in Christ. Let us be diligent in our day, just as Noah was diligent in his day to be preachers of righteousness. To call men to turn from their sin and to trust in Christ. God is patient, but his patience will not last forever. 
All creation is groaning. All creation is groaning for the redemption from the corruption of this world. And God will judge this world once and for all. Do not take his patience and his kindness for granted. Turn and trust in him. Third and finally, God provided an ark. And that is in the remaining verses of Genesis chapter 6 into verse 1 of chapter 7. I'm not going to read all those verses. But the Lord God commanded Noah to make an ark of gopher wood. Most likely this is cedar wood. Cedar wood is strong and able to withhold and withstand a great amount of punishment. There are many details about the ark. Its length uh, was that of a football field and a half. Its breadth, half the size of of a football field. Its height, just over four stories high. The ark was covered with pitch, both inside and out. Pitch was meant to be a type of sealer, not allowing water to come in as the waters poured down upon the earth. The ark would be free. From any kind of uh, incoming water, as it were. The ark is translated as as box or container. The word ark is translated as, as a box or container. And it is only used one other place in the scriptures. And that is in Exodus chapter 2. To describe the, the box or the container in which the infant Moses traveled, traveled down the river, river Nile. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing mythical or mystical here about the ark. If we believe God's word to be holy and inerrant, we must also hold to a literal ark that was built by a man and maybe his sons over the span of 120 years. Now, I know that there are many questions. How many animals were on the ark? It was estimated that there were some 38 to 50,000 different animals on the ark. How do they all fit? Is, how is it possible for, for there to be that many animals? It's possible. It's possible that many, many of the animals were infants or young. Therefore, their size was not a problem for the massive structure of the ark. Massive structure of the ark. Well, how did Noah collect all of these animals? Was he the crocodile hunter? How did he do this? Noah did not go searching for the animals. God drew the animals to Noah. What did God say? They shall come to you. You would think as Noah is preaching, there would be something going on as all of these animals start just coming out of nowhere. Let me assure you, brothers and sisters, those are all entertaining questions. But once again, they may cause us to miss the forest through the trees. What does that mean? It may cause us to miss the big picture. What's the big picture? Judgment was coming. The ark was not a yacht. The ark was not a cruise liner being prepared for Noah and his family to go on a vacation. Think about this. There was no rudder on the ark. Meaning it was not meant for navigation. It was meant to float. It was meant to withstand the coming wrath of God by water. The point is that judgment is coming. 
The point is that this is the result of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of men who have corrupted their way. And in the midst of judgment that was looming on that generation, God provides a way of escaping his wrath, his justice. God gives Noah the instructions of how to escape the judgment. God gives to Noah the the dimensions of the ark. This is how you are to build it. This is not Noah's ark. This is God's ark. There would be no ark if there were no instructions from God. There would be no building if there was no warning from God. Yes, Noah built the ark. This was God's plan. Yes, Noah built the ark. This was God's design. This was God's plan. This was God's design. God provided the way of escaping the judgment. Not Noah. Noah simply acted in faith. And if Noah were here, he would be the first one to stand up and say, Amen, preacher. I believe that's how they talked back in that day. Amen, preacher. But this ultimately points us to the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The ark is a type of Christ. The ark points us toward Christ. How so? Just as the ark was provided by God so that his people might escape the coming wrath and justice of God, so too God provided a perfect spotless lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, to make atonement for our sins that we might escape the coming wrath of God if we only trust in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Christ is a spotless lamb that was provided for our sin. And, and just as, as the ark was sealed with pitch, so that the judgment of waters of God might not engulf the righteous or seep through into the ark, flooding the ark, so too we have been covered in the blood of Christ. The word pitch used in Genesis is translated atonement. Noah covered the ark with pitch, or Noah atoned the ark. Noah covered the ark, sealed the ark. And so too we, who have trusted in Christ alone, have been covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that when the judgment waters came, And come, they will not rise up and condemn us any longer. We will not be swallowed up by the judgment of God. We who are in Christ, we who are in the ark, Christ, shall be saved. And the judgment waters shall not come nigh thee. God's word declares in Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It is only through Christ that we can be saved. Just as it was only through the ark That the people of Noah's day could escape the wrath of God. God commanded, did not command Noah, no, build three or four arks. Some people are picky. Some people don't like a lot of people close to them. Build a smaller, bigger. Let's build maybe three or four. Let people choose which one they like. Whichever one suits their likes and dislikes, let them choose. No, there was one ark. One way to be saved. And there was also one door. There was also one door. There was only one way to enter that ark. There was not ten different ways to enter that ark. There was one ark and one way to enter. One Christ and one way to enter Christ by faith. 
Those who place their faith in the message of the gospel of that preacher of righteousness. Those who place their faith in Noah's message only had one way of entering that ark. And through that one door, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Brothers and sisters, there are not four other ways to the Father. There are not other religions that also lead you to to, to the Father. There is only one way to God, and that is through Christ and Christ alone. It is only through Christ and through the door of Christ by faith that we can escape the coming wrath and judgment of God. And when judgment comes, once and for all, we must be found in Christ. If you have placed your faith in Christ and not in someone else or not in yourself, you will find him to be a perfect savior for you. No matter how intense the waves beat upon that ark, those in the ark were secure. No matter how loud the howl of the winds of justice were, those inside the ark were secure. No matter how violent the rain fell upon the earth and upon those on the ark, they were secure because they were in the ark. Will you find yourself in Christ? Because so it is with Christ. The world, the flesh, and the devil may accuse you, but if you are in Christ... First John tells us that we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If you are in Christ, you are in the ark, you are secure. Let the rain, let the rain, the rain violently fall. But it will not come near you. Because you are in Christ. You have been brought into Christ by faith and you shall be secure in him. This is what God has promised. And when the time for God's judgment came, Noah and his family entered the ark by faith. And guess what? Guess what God does? And God shut the door. It is a sad and solemn truth that God shut the door. The time of God's patience ran out. The day of judgment was appointed for man. And while Noah preached for 120 years, inviting all to come into the ark, inviting all to be saved. There came a day when Noah preached his last message. There came a day when Noah gave his final invitation. And oh, what a heavy heart he must have had on that day. What a sad day that must have been when Not Noah. Noah has no right to close the door. Noah has no power to close the door. Noah has no strength to close the door. But when God closes the door and said, that is it. What pain must have filled the heart of the man who walked with God. As he said for the last time, standing possibly at the entrance of the ark, please come in. When that final nail had been hammered, when the last pitch was secured, the final animal collected, maybe he stands at the entrance of the door. I beg you, hear my words. God's wrath is coming. Turn from your sin. Be saved. And they carried on eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the waters of the deep began to rise up. It reminds us of Christ who looks over humanity in who looks over humanity in his humanity and weeps over them with sadness because of their blindness. Would that you even you had known 
on this day the things that were made for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, he says. He weeps over Jerusalem and their hard hearts. They who stone and kill the prophets sent by God, but will not turn and believe. Will this be my final message to you? Do you believe that Christ is coming again? If you are in Christ, then it is good news. But if you are out of Christ, if you are outside of the ark, it is terrible news. It is frightening news. Do not be like those in the days of Noah who ignored and scoffed at the warning of the preacher of righteousness. Do not be like those in the days of Noah who ridiculed and murdered the righteous one. The days of Christ who murdered and and ridiculed the righteous one. Ask yourselves, is the judgment of God a fearful thing for me to fall into the hands of? Ask yourself, can I withstand the justice of God apart from Christ? Ask yourself, is is following Christ worth the cost? And is the reward greater than the cost? Ask yourself, are the people of God worth standing with? Ask yourself, Are the people of God worth bearing with as we await the coming of our King? Is God's word, though it may be challenging, is it worth obeying? Do I want to be sanctified unto God and set apart from this world? While it is still today, turn from your sins and be saved. Turn to Christ and escape the coming judgment. And if you are in the ark, stay there. If you're in the ark, you're secure by God. You ain't going nowhere. And if you leave, you were never meant to be there in the first place. If you are walking with God, continue to walk with him. Judgment is coming. Let us pray.